Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Uh, hello, Deborah. Hello, Alex. And hello, Tom. Hi there. Um, so I'm um, I'm Alex, as you know. And um, are we podcasting? We are. Yes. Uh, I've been podcasting for a while. This is your first opportunity. <laughs> Deborah, of course, is the podcast queen. <laughs> oh, let's not let's not exaggerate. Empress. So as it's you, more appropriate. Uh, as you know, you uh, here. I am not exactly kicking and screaming, but um, uh, I like talking in rooms with people, and uh, today we're doing that, which is great. Um, I want to really talk about what it means to talk together, and I thought a great way of kicking off would just be for us to talk about um, the first time, first conversation we ever had. And I wonder if you can even remember it. Oh, I can. I can remember it really well. I can remember the occasion, certainly. Do you remember the, do you remember the first conversation? Yes. Go yes, I it. can. So we were doing a comedy improvisation show. And by we, I mean Tom and me with our comedy improv group, uh, The Spontaneity Shop. That's the origin of the name. And Alex had just graduated from Oxford and turned up, well, actually, I think he'd no, I think he'd graduated from Oxford and then Bristol Old Vic Drama School. That's right. And he turned up, watched the show, and clearly had enjoyed the show and not just slunk off into the night thinking, I don't want anything to do with these guys. Uh, but I think maybe... If he must have been on form. Yeah, I think maybe he'd heard that we were good at improvising or had an improvisation company he might be interested in joining. And he approached us afterwards in the pub downstairs. It was the Canal Cafe in London. Yeah, it was. And we were talking to a man called Piers Torday, who was now a children's author, but at that time was running The Pleasance, a venue in Edinburgh, a very famous venue in Edinburgh. And so we were trying to get a slot from him. Piers and Alex had been to Oxford University together. And so when Alex came over with his CV saying, I'm very interested in joining your your group or learning improvisation from you and being involved in this outfit... (laughs) Uh, he said, oh, hello, Piers. And they said, oh, remember the days. And we thought, well, we definitely want Piers to like us because we, we need a slot at the Edinburgh Festival. And so we must, of course, uh, include this old drinking buddy of Piers's. And see, I don't think I'd even put all that together at the time. Obviously, I've heard the story since, but I'm pretty sure that when I was first introduced to Alex, I thought you were, you'd come with Piers yeah. and you were also somebody important from a big Edinburgh venue that I needed to impress and be specially nice to. Yeah. Well, I often, if it's not too rude of me to say, pick up on the finer details of the relationships between people. That is not inaccurate. No. So I assessed very quickly what was going on here. 
And it was the fact that Alex had his literal CV in mm. his hand. That was a clue. That was a clue. Yeah, that but I was true. like, this guy really wants to be part of us. Now, I thought that made us look good because if one of Piers' friends is sitting there going, I'd love to be in this <laughs> in this group. I, could you teach me what you know? Could you include me in the shows? Then clearly this is a show worth taking to the Edinburgh Festival. Now, uh, listeners, I need to tell you that we were not offered a slot from Piers Torte. Now Which I blame here. you for, Alex. Yeah, I take all the hit. Though. Yeah, Piers is doing very well. I went to see a play of his a couple of Christmases ago. Uh, but uh, he did not offer us a slot, despite the clear old school tie bonding that was that was that was going on. Uh, but we did end up with the wonderful Alex McLaren in our lives. What was your take on joining us that night? Tell us the story from your point of view. So well, it's, it, I'm always, I love this. This is a little bit like when you hear husbands and wives talk about their own perspectives <laughs> yes. on how they met. And I feel it's very like that. Um, so I did bring my CV to a, an improvisation show and I'd never, I didn't never heard of you and I didn't know um, your names. I don't think I contacted you in advance because no, I not. don't even think I had an email address at the time. So you just turned up to the show? No. Uh, (laughs) I needed a good reason to meet up with somebody who I'd been going out with and I wanted to give her her clothes back. And so she and I met and went to the theatre together. Oh, this was an ex-girlfriend? Yeah. And you Um, had a bag of things that she'd left in your flat? (laughs) But the point is... I had no idea about this. Tell me more. Um, And and now now that you mention it, I remember that Piers was there. I'm so sorry, Piers. But I also remember... Now, am I wrong about this? Wasn't Henrietta Finch there as well, who is now a very famous producer who runs the Donmar Warehouse? Ooh, maybe. What was Henrietta doing there? Was she working for the Pleasants at the time? She, she was agenting and she's a, a, a pal of... Um, uh, she was working for Mark Berlin, who did end up being your agent, I remember. Oh, my God, yes! So uh, <gasps> no. She introduced us to Mark Berlin and so, got us... It, that our first agent. I think so. I, th- that may be the connection. So I'm going to have to check with Henny now. <laughs> um, but but the uh, but and weirdly that's what I that was the connection because I kn- I know Henny better than I know Piers. Although we were all at college together. Um, and I did take my CV because I just read a book about improvisation and one of the formats in it was Guerrilla Theatre for Keith Johnston, and your show Guerrilla Theatre was in Time Out. And I think one reason why I got excited about your show. Now, unusually, I think, I then subsequently discovered you weren't hosting it, Deborah. Philippa Waller was. You were playing. I think we pretty much took it in turns, actually. That I might think, have been. I think it was shared out pretty yeah. evenly. Okay. Before we started doing the dream date format. And the yes. dream date format. And then that dream date, it was then you and me hosting, and then it pretty quickly became you hosting, Deborah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, then that's when I wanted to transition into stand-up, because yeah. I realised I like talking to the audience this a is... lot more than I liked pretending to be characters. And I just got to the point where I was like, it seems <laughs> undignified when you're, at, when you're out of your 20s to be pretending to be a 12-year-old boy or a dog. Well, I just was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, well, I'm, age, I'm aging out of this silliness, but I love talking to the audience and I loved that lively yes. feel. And that's when I decided I wanted to be a comic. Well, this is very much an origin myth for everybody. <laughs> but, but the, also, particularly for what we're talking about today, because but I remember the show and I remember it, and this is not by any means a criticism. It was not slick. Um, and I'd seen at the time oh, I was, was doing... Absolutely. No, I know, <laughs> it, I know was, it was. It was. <laughs> I know it was. And, and I remember, but I remember seeing Carefully actors. cultivated lack of slickness. Yeah, <laughs> but so often when I was seeing improv shows, I think I was seeing really actually just marginal variations within a very, very slick format. And so I didn't really see people taking the risk of going out and not really knowing what was what choices they were about to make. It was actually very well... Um, well that's was making 
fixed. You miss improv now. Yeah, no, How happy much? days. But that vulnerability. <laughs> I mean, a little bit, you know, um, that, that moment of not going yes, out and well, really not knowing. But, but no, I, th- I don't think you miss that because I think actually one of part of what makes um, uh, performers exciting to watch is that they are doing something new live. And, uh, and so I, that was what was exciting to me and why not only did I want to be in the show with the performers, I wanted to get to know you. And so it's almost like I met you before I sat down and had a conversation with you. Because, and I think that's something that performers will often experience is that people know them before they know the people. And why was it important that Philip Waller was hosting? Philip Waller, by the way, who also now works in Great genius, yeah. And has a 40 human being. 40 human being. Yeah. Uh, why was it important to, for you to remember that? Well, because... Now I've worked with you two for 20 years and I feel like it's uh, it's me and you two and our gang. And in fact, there were, I suppose maybe the first people I saw were Philippa, Chris Harvey John, hello Chris, um, uh, and uh, people like Gary Jacqueline Turner. Haig, Gary Turner, all those other performers as well. Um, but the uh, I suppose the, the tone was set by you two because it was your show. Um, and so that that openness and that vulnerability was really, really important. And I think it's something that happens when people connect with friends. And so you do not need to be a performer or a comedian in order for those dimensions to really feature in the way you communicate with others and the way they communicate with you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. And you quickly became a huge asset to us both as a performing company and then also because we were doing a lot of teaching. And Mm. teaching is something which some people who are brilliant practitioners can also do. And it's something that some brilliant practitioners struggle with. Mm. I've often said I think it's very difficult to be taught by a genius because (laughs) typically geniuses have no empathy. They can't understand why it's not just as easy for you as it is for them. PE teachers. (laughs) Yes, maths teachers. Well, PE teachers were always good at sport at school, and that's why they became PE teachers, but they don't understand children who are uncoordinated, who are not fast at running, and who don't enjoy it. And so they tend to get rather cross and think you're not making an effort. When, in my case, well, I wasn't making an effort, but that's because I hated it and was no good at anything. So I think that, uh, that that's right, that sometimes if you have to learn something by rote, you're a better teacher. But you, Alex, actually, I think, mm. took to improvisation very easily, at least from my perspective, as somebody helping you through that, but also immediately became very, very good at conceptualising it for other people. Well, that's interesting. I, I think the reason why it came... It came relatively quickly to me, and certainly not completely, um, is that so much of uh, Keith Johnson's approach, which was the school we were all schooled in and via Patty Styles, is that it 
actually faces the fear. Um, and I am interested in how uh, taking fear away makes people better at things, mm -hmm. makes them able to be their authentic selves. And yet we can't live in a world in which that is entirely taken from us. At least that's not yet happened to me. Um, there's always something. Um, and, uh, and we often have to function in our working lives or we have to in which we're under pressure and we're dealing with anxieties and we're dealing with targets we've got to hit and maybe even people with whom we don't have the strongest kind of relationship uh, maybe we are given tasks to do in terms of connecting with people which aren't uh, we wouldn't necessarily choose for fun um, but that is something we all have to tangle with um, and I, I I think that a work particularly there is fear which is invisible because it's so universal. And uh, so I'm really interested in actually at the moment looking at the intricacies of it all because we've had some time now where we haven't been able to be together and, uh, and talk about the kind of the challenges that we face in communicating. Um, and I think in that time I've really been missing it and thinking about what it is that I miss um, and also noticing which dimensions of my own uh, instinct, experience, and talent are actually transferable into other formats, like the Zoom work we're doing, which we've been getting sort of, you know, very, very positive responses from. Um, and I'm interested in actually asking more intricate, detailed questions than we have time to in our everyday training sessions when we're actually tackling uh, clients' problems, specific challenges, rather than actually looking at the problems behind those challenges. So... I haven't looked at any of your prep, Alex, and I know you've yes. been thinking about this quite deeply. Can you give me some kind of insight into things we might be discussing in future episodes? Because I'll be one of the discussers. Yeah. So I'm very intrigued. I mean, in some ways I want it to be a surprise, yeah. but in some ways I'd like... Like a, Christmas. Yes. In some ways I'd like, I'd like to know what's... Just the sh the shape and feel of you know when you feel your presence just before Christmas when <laughs> yeah, you're a yeah, kid yeah, go yeah. could that be a PlayStation is this the shape of the new dress that I wanted or whatever it is so could you yes. give me could you let me feel your presence absolutely I feel away <laughs> it's basically it's going to be short we're thinking something about twenty five thirty minutes um, and what we're going to do is each week we'll look at a, just one question about the nature of communicating and talking to other people so it might be about uh, making a first impression, first time you meet somebody and our feelings around that. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. So it seems. Um, we'll be talking about uh, what happens when we go too far, when we cross a line and we feel like, oh no, we only realise afterwards that we socially screwed up. What can we do about that as well as what can we do to anticipate that challenge? Uh, I want to look at the the different kinds of people that we engage with and, and which kind of person we are. I'm interested in introversion as well as extroversion. And I'm interested in exploring what that concept means mm. and what it means for when we're communicating with others. And I want to look as well at what happens in different environments. Why is it that some people, if you put them on a stage in a big venue, some people absolutely come alive mm. uh, and other people, the majority, I would say, of people diminish and they are a bit overawed by the experience that they can't do their best. They're much more effective one-on-one. -on -one. Why some people actively prefer Zoom interactions to being physically present with people yep. and other people feel almost like uh, they're having to uh, you know, juggle with one hand behind their back. Mm. And can I add to that? I'd love to hear from some different guests because some of my closest friends, because I'm a stand-up comedian, mm. 
are extremely introverted stand-up comics yep. who, if you put them on the stage at the London Palladium mm. or even the O2, they will have the time of their lives communicating with thousands yep. of people at once. Mm. Then you try and chat to them in the bar and they're looking at their shoes, they're awkward, and you try and say, that was a fantastic set. They're, oh, no, 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 don't. It, yes. They love the applause, yes. but they don't want you to look them in the eye and tell them you're a great comedian. Yes. Uh, What's I, that about? Well, it, well, it's absolutely fascinating. I mean, and, and in fact, it's, it's interesting to me because one actually thing which is interesting is how do we communicate with people that we do know as well as people we don't? And I want to explore the fact that I'm basically a kind of, somebody recently said to me, I don't switch on until I'm in a room with people. Um, and that's true. Um, but my partner Zoe's not like that at all. She uh, likes company and she's great company, but it uses her up in a different kind of way. So she would probably put it that she's an introvert and I'm an extrovert. And I find that exciting that we're, people who can be so different from each other can want to be with each other more than anybody else on earth. And that is part of what I want to explore, variety. Similarly, I get my energy from other people and that's how I recharge my batteries. And then mm. I need some time alone to process that. Tom absolutely can only be yeah. on charge if he's alone. If he's, yeah, I, maybe if I'm there, that's fine. But we, he doesn't have to talk. He's not, he doesn't have to be on. Yeah, yeah I'm the Zoe. Yeah, no, no, it's yeah. true. But I remember. You're, but you're good with people, Tom. Yes. But yeah. you're good at a dinner party. But at one of those free form parties, we just have to wander around talking to people with a drink. Tom's, Tom will last half an hour. And and then go once, Alex. This is true. I had to. I had to. You know what I'm going to say, Tom. Yes. We went to a friend's wedding, and it was the music was extremely loud. He was very fond of the bride and groom, but didn't know anyone else. I was not having a good time. And after a while, he said, "Do you know I'm really not coping at all? I'm just going to have to go." I've said my pleasantries to the bride and groom. I've wished them well. I I'm not enjoying talking to other people here, and the music's really too loud. And I said, you can't go. You've only just got here. And he said, I'm, I'm going to have to. I said, right, okay, don't say goodbye. I will just pretend you're here and I'll cover for you. And every time the bride, who absolutely loves Tom, and she calls him Tom Lumbo because it's a running joke about Columbo. Every time she came by in you know, the dancing or whatever, and say, where's Tom Lumbo? And I'd go, oh, he's just over there. He's and over then I'd there. point to another man with dark hair. And say, oh, I must go over and say hello. And then, of course, she'd get waylaid because yes. she was the bride. A couple of times I said he'd gone outside with the smokers because he needed fresh air. He was freezing cold. It was snowing. It was actually snowing. He didn't. But every time I just made, I just would point in a direction, go, there he is. And then, you know, um, I maintained that Tom was there for hours. I left yes. at 11 and said, oh, I think Tom's just gone ahead of me to the station to just make sure we... Which I had, by two and a half hours. Yes, yeah. indeed. But that is, I have had to cover for Tom because I didn't want the bride to get hurt feelings. No. I have since... Be- because that bride is no longer married to that groom, I have since felt it was okay one night after we'd had a few drinks to reveal this to her. To she blow thought it was it. absolutely yeah. hilarious. Yeah. But that's what I find fascinating about this, that somebody will look at someone like you, Alex, mm. and they'll see you very socially adept, very confident, and they mm-hmm. won't know what is the situation that is your kryptonite that will push your buttons. And I think yes. some people often say the same thing about me. It was interesting when I had a brief flirtation with doing close-up magic, mm. that an anxiety and nervousness that I hadn't experienced for years right. suddenly came back. Yes. Because when I'm on stage, whether it's do- talking at a conference or mm. doing an improv show or anything like that, I'm on very familiar ground. 
But yeah. when you're doing a magic trick, you'll either do it right and it will be successfully fooling, mm. or you'll screw it up and everyone will see straight through you. Yes. And that put a lot of extra tension, and my hands were literally trembling as a result. Yeah, it's funny. I, I get very anxious when there's no when when I need to almost extract myself from the performance. So reading in church at funerals makes my knees knock because that's not a not a time for grandstanding, mm. except in some cases. It, it all depends on who's in the box. But. If I die, I want you to grandstand away, Alex. I, I want you. a big performance. If you die. Top hat. It's in doubt. Of course. Okay. If. All right. Yes. All right. If I die before you, Alex, ah, and you, you are able to attend the funeral. Yeah, yeah. Well, even if even if I go first, I promise I'll be there to read at your funeral. <laughs> okay, that's um, worrying. No, <laughs> that's scary. No, it's funny, but what, you're, what Tom's saying about what goes on behind a confident front is really important because I cannot speak for everybody, but so many times when you talk to people who seem powerful, they don't feel powerful. When you talk to somebody who makes it look easy, they don't. It doesn't feel easy. They're actually incredibly busy inside, and and so there are. I think that that sharing of different perspectives on this is really important. When I say you can talk to anyone, I think that's true. But it doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be the same way for everybody. So I'm not fixing broken people. I'm really interested in what it is that makes it possible for people to connect with each other. And I think, I believe it's possible for everybody. I'm really looking forward to this podcast. This is one of those podcasts that I'm helping to make because I want to listen to it. <laughs> Good. Uh, it's going to be fun. Um, and uh, well, there'll be once a week. Um, please come and check in and engage as much as you can. Thank you very much, guys. For coming to play. I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to delving into this subject more. And also, strangely, I think I might be going to learn more about both one of my oldest friends and work colleagues and my husband, <laughs> the producer of The Guilty Feminist. I mean, I, I've, I've already learned things from this conversation. There is no doubt you will. Thanks, guys. See you next week. See you next week. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different. Bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout season two, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.